Welcome to day 200 of Shape by the Word. <laughs> what a monumental milestone uh, as we've been reading together, and it has been fun uh, for us to do this with you. We realize uh, many of you uh, tell us and write to us about mm-hmm. how encouraging this is, and of course God's Word is deeply encouraging. It's a gift given to us uh, to be shared together mm-hmm. you know, as the people of God. So as we read in community and invite you into the community, we hope uh, we're modeling for you what it means to uh, read the Word and to hear the Word, to discuss the Word, and to cherish the Word. Uh, so before we uh, turn into um, Mark chapter 4, uh, let's offer this moment in ourselves to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your Word. We thank you that you have revealed your heart and character from beginning to end through the Word. We thank you that every part of it, your breath in it, has your spirit empowering it. We thank you that you so superintended those who wrote and proclaimed your word that they said exactly what you wanted them to say to us and to our, our hearts. We pray that you would use it to continue your work in us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So we've emphasized the book of Mark. We've told you that um, Mark, you know, majors on the things that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He shows us everything you know that Jesus did, and he asks us to draw the conclusion. We do have, you know, one major section of teaching here, and it's very pivotal in the book of of Mark as Jesus, you know, sits down and tells the parable uh, of the sower that uh, describes why you know many uh, are not responding you know, to the gospel and, and why a few are. So <clears throat> let's pick up in Mark chapter four. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on a rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so that it did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he is alone with the twelve and others around him, ask him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on the rocky place, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word accepted and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what is sown. 
He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it in its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he is alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boats that it was nearly swamped. Jesus went in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and said to each other, Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So you've had the crowds um, wondering who Jesus is, mm-hmm. where the teaching comes from, where his authority comes from, and you have the disciples here even blown away by what they're seeing and what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And so they're struggling along with the crowds, and it kind of brings us you know, back to the where we started with the, you know, the parable of the soils, uh, that the mysteries of the kingdom are spoken in parables, and, mm-hmm. and and there are those who you know there are those who who hear and receive, and there are those who hear and and, and do not receive, and, and the disciples are sometimes hanging by a thread themselves, and whether they're going to hear and understand who the Messiah is, but ultimately mm-hmm. uh, they do. So this is a nice chapter, nice nice parable, uh, you know, the parable of the sowers. Um, and it asks the question, you know, why do some people respond to the Word of God and others do not? And it puts it on kind of a spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, level. Some seed is sown and is immediately taken away. Some seed is sown and it springs up looking like it's going to be a healthy plant, but it quickly withers in times of persecution. And then there's some seed which, you know, kind of, you know, describes us. It just gets so caught up in the worries of this world that mm-hmm. it uh, never really bears fruit. But then there are seeds sown you know, that bears, you know, really rich fruit, either 30, 60, or 100 times what is sown. So what are some of the things that stand out in Chapter 4 as you guys read through? I mean, absolutely, the the parable of the sower has always been so helpful and instructive and and helping me. You know, there's so many people that I know that I feel have been around the gospel message so many times and yet seem to have not believed, you know, and Mm -hmm. so thankful for Christ ex- helping explain where, where some of this is coming from and, and how when the word is preached, how it does, um, how certain folks respond to it. I'm obviously 
draw myself to the sea that kind of they hear the word but the worries of life the seafulness of wealth and desires of other things kind of choke out the word making it unfruitful obviously feel that tension a lot in my own life and then though deeply desire for the last one where the seed is still not good soil we hear it we accept it produce a crop some 30 60 and 100 times what was sown and i even love this kind of compared to the parable of the the growing seed which Mm -hmm. as the seed is kind of cast out and you know, this farmer, you know, he, he's sleeping, he's getting up, he's doing it. We're like, where's this growth coming from? We know that in all of this, that mm-hmm. the growth and, 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 and the fruit of the seed is the work of God at work as the, as the word is spoken. Now, it's kind of, yeah, that is a nice underlying theme mm-hmm. that uh, even though, you know, the farmer does a lot of work, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, he is uh, uh, captive to the mysterious work of life that's taking place underground mm-hmm. through the sea that is no work of his own. Yeah. So there's a lot of work that he can do. He cannot ultimately affect growth, and you know that is you know that is the you know the word of God. And then when you flip back up, you know you know to the you know parable of the soils. I think we've we've all been and we've all seen people like this who are so hard-hearted that don't receive the word and obviously that Mm -hmm. deep work of satan in their life people that get really excited in the faith but no root in the faith and quickly fall away and that's an ominous word in scripture you know to fall away Mm -hmm. uh, and on that and then of course probably where we live most of the time you know as uh upper middle class, you know, suburban, you know, Christians, we've got so many cool things going on that uh, it's just hard to work in, you know, time with God. It's hard to work in Mm -hmm. community with believers. It's hard to, you know, do more than just kind of surface, you know, hitting these, you know, little priorities, checking them off our list of things to do and moving on to the the next thing. And ultimately the word doesn't prosper in an atmosphere like that. And, of course, we want to be people who are bearing, you know, deep, deep fruit, you know, in every way. Mm-hmm. No, I uh, I used to be at a church where we, Jesse and I just attended prior to when we were at Christ Church. And one of the common refrains that was always spoken of before someone preached was this request that the Holy Spirit would attend and accompany the preaching of the word. And even in private devotions, you know, that the Spirit would be at work mm-hmm. through the word. And so... Obviously, this is not just this kind of man effort type of thing, but this is that this kind of spiritual, supernatural, the spirit at work through the word in our lives, producing these fruits. So even though when we desire to have this crop or this fruit, that that's still the work of the spirit through the word, which is always a, a reminder I need. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's kind of reiterated in 12 when it says, um, ever seeing but never perceiving and so that's I mean that's so true or ever hearing but never understanding you know constantly maybe constantly being exposed or being a part of it but um, the spirit is you know what's so vital to us perceiving and understanding so and, and of course Paul would describe to Timothy in the latter days you know there there'd be people who you know will surround themselves with yeah. you know a lot of teachers to teach them exactly what they want to hear and he'll describe people who are always learning but never coming to a knowledge of truth and who yeah. have outward appearance of godliness but mm-hmm. uh, ignore its power mm-hmm. uh and, and of course that's the same thing you know that jesus is talking about here mm-hmm. there's outward appearance of growth you know in, in in many of those cases but it's not you know sustained growth that you know bears fruit which of course is the goal of the gospel mm-hmm. uh that you know that it would you know bear fruit in, in our hearts and lives mm-hmm. i do like to um 
in 30 when you know Jesus begins talking about the kingdom of God and wants to give them an idea of what the kingdom of God is like and then he turns to just this mustard seed that is one of the smallest seeds and you think really the kingdom of God is like a small seed but yet it's it's so encouraging to think that the smallest seed that he says on earth would grow um, and become the largest of all garden plants and you know you just realize that um, constantly the kingdom of God is never what we think it is, you know, and that it always surprises us that God uses the weak or the foolish or any of those things. And, and yet the kingdom is that way too. He's it. He's the one that it yeah. is. And, and, and of course, Israel was expecting something big and something yeah. spectacular. And it came in a call of repentance. Yeah. It came in the call of the gospel and it mm-hmm. came in the form of teaching. But he mm-hmm. said, you know, this is a seed that once it is planted, mm-hmm. uh, will become a large tree. And uh, even the birds of the air can build their nest in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a little difficulty there. You know, when it says which is the smallest of all the seeds yeah, on like, earth. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually whenever you see the word earth, you know, in, in ancient Israel, um, you know, I, I would hardly ever translate it earth. I'd always translate it the land, uh, because in their mind, you know, they're they're not thinking globally they're thinking locally mm-hmm. and they're thinking you know about dirt ground farming yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. they're thinking about the land mm-hmm. which is promised to them so of of all the seeds that they were familiar with and, and regularly cultivated the mustard seed had you know two features it was the smallest of the seeds you could hold in your hand and yet it mm-hmm. produced the largest of plants mm-hmm. and so he uses mm-hmm. that so i would you know probably always translate you know the, the greek word that's used here for for the land and would have translated this as one of the smallest seeds upon the land mm-hmm. having to do with our agricultural enterprises uh, on that but in, anyway that's just an aside on, on <laughs> no the, i love how, that reminder though that, that yeah mm-hmm. the kingdom is kind of seemingly insignificant and small but one day you even today we can still mm-hmm. see that mm-hmm. There, there's this greatness to it that will be even seen now, but ultimately seen one day uh, yeah. on Christ's return that yeah. everything that seems so small and insignificant will actually be mm-hmm. seen for what it actually is. And you have to love the final scene. Mm. Uh, Jesus is a really good sleeper. Yeah, he must have been tired, man. Amazing. I want to sleep like that. I guess yeah. I was yeah. just at peace with himself and with wow. the world yes. and with God. It was, it was, you know, deep sleep. I love it. And uh, you know, they're moving across. He said, "Let's go to the other side." They start you know rowing. He immediately goes to sleep on a cushion. Yeah. You know, in the, in the boat. I love the little descriptive detail. Yeah, you know, there. What's a cushion doing in the boat? Yeah. It's uh, for Jesus. But anyway, they you know, enjoyed you know moving across, and this furious you know squall comes up, and the waves are breaking over the boat and they're laboring and trying to do everything they can to rescue it and uh you know they call out to jesus they woke him up saying don't don't you even care if we drown and he rebuked the winds and said to the waves mm-hmm. quiet be still and the wind fell down it, so that must have been so eerie yeah. i mean to go from a complete squall mm-hmm. to glass mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. and they're looking at that and they said, "Why are you afraid? You, you, you don't, you don't trust me." And they were terrified, and they mm-hmm. asked each other, and that's the proper response. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. And it was like Isaiah when he saw, you know, the holiness of the Lord. He said, "Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips, living in a nation of unclips." They were terrified and asked each other, "Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him." 
Well, in the Psalms and in Isaiah, the one who commands the winds and the waves mm-hmm. is the Lord himself. And they're beginning mm-hmm. to get the clues that he is yeah. more than just than a Messiah. Mm-hmm. You know, he is uniquely related to God so that he shares authority with God. We've already seen the authority, mm-hmm. you know, to forgive sin, and mm-hmm. here is the authority over all of creation. Mm. Nice, uh, nice chapter, chapter four. Mm-hmm. David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the often painful but encouraging reminder of how your word is at work in this world. Um, we do ask that we would be people who continue to sow the good news of the gospel where we find ourselves, where we, where we live, where we work, where we play. We ask we would not be people that, that hide this good news, but that we, we let it shine forth um, for what it is um, as we let Jesus, the, the light of the world, be known. Um, Father, thank you so much for these deep reminders, um, even that you are Lord over creation and that you are sovereign over all things. And in that, may we find obviously a great sense of awe, but also a sense of hope and a sense of peace as we reflect on who you are. And so, Father, we love you. We pray this all in the deep and the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.